Hello, and welcome to our inaugural podcast. I'm Meryl Clark, and you're listening to North Georgia Blue. We're getting into some good trouble with our guest today, June Chris, chair of the 9th District Democrats, spanning all or part of 20 counties across North Georgia. June has practiced for over 30 years in the healthcare field as a registered professional nurse, also 12 years in regulatory services and community care Medicaid policy. June opened her own small consulting firm, Quality of Life Enterprises, with all this experience, and she helps people start up small healthcare businesses. June and her husband, Dr. Richard Chris, moved to White County, Georgia in 2001 when Dr. Chris accepted the position of principal at White County High School. In addition to her consultation work, June is an advocate for intellectually and or developmentally delayed adults and the elderly. She helps them and their families work through the eligibility process for the community care services programs, source and DD waivers. June and Richard have three children and five grandsons together. She has worked in grassroots politics for many years and currently serves as the ninth congressional district chair of the Democratic Party of Georgia, encompassing 20 North Georgia counties. She is also first vice chair of the Georgia Federation of Democratic Women and interim chair of the White County Democratic Committee. She is... (laughs) also past president of the 9th District Democratic Women's Network. Oh my, June, welcome to the show. We're pleased to have you on as our first official guest. Thanks for joining us today. Merle, thank you so much for inviting me, and I'm looking forward to our discussion and conversations today. Likewise, I'm, I'm very excited about having you on. So I have a few questions for you, and I thought we'd first start off with my asking you, how do you do it all? How do you manage to juggle all all of these different things and make it work? Well, I don't have small children at home, so that helps. Um, I have a husband that likes democratic politics, and so that helps. My consulting work is flexible, and I can do that part-time if I need to and schedule around my political activities, which I've always enjoyed. It's been uh, something that I've just always enjoyed to do, and so it doesn't seem like work when you're in. It's volunteer work, as you know, and the grassroots is mostly volunteer, but it's like your choice of religion, your choice of political party and what you do as a volunteer there. So that's how I do it. It's it's impressive. So 20 counties encompassed within the ninth district across North Georgia seems quite unwieldy to me. Are we the largest district in Georgia? I know there are 14 overall. Yes, we have. I I think we're the, we may be next to largest. There's one district down in South Georgia. I think that may be uh, larger than us. But if you count the partial Clark County and partial for size, those are counted in our 20. So I think there's one congressional district that's larger than ours. So the Athens area falls under the ninth district? It does. It does. Part part of it is in the ninth congressional district. And part is in the tenth, I believe. And then Forsyth, I forgot about Forsyth. We share Forsyth with the seventh, sixth or seventh district. 
Okay. We all know that the GOP in Georgia is desperately trying to suppress the vote, especially from last year's uh, election. And I'm wondering, what do you think about the Republican gerrymandering and redistricting that's uh, happening across the state right now? Well, I have not seen the final map, but I know that they've talked about really chopping up Lucy McBath's district and a couple of the other the districts they're looking to chop up. But we're not looking forward to that. Hopefully it won't be as bad as people are predicting. We've been mostly concerned about, you know, voter suppression, but we do need to start looking at that. And the grassroots need to rise up and call and, and protest and Right. be active and push against, you know, that gerrymandering. Of course, the Democrats have been guilty of that in the past as well. But up up in the 9th Congressional District, we're so red already. I don't know what it'll do to us. Like I said, I wish I had some more firm information on that, but I don't. And I don't know if anybody does. Do, have you heard? I... <laughs> Uh, I, I've heard, we've heard here in Van County, we've heard some rumors, but we don't know anything definitive right. either. Right. And I suspect it's that's done intentionally right. <laughs> <laughs> on the part of the GOP here in Georgia. Exactly. Yes. So what exactly is it that you do as chair of the 9th District? The 9th Congressional District Chair does have a job description. It wasn't uh, a very long job description, but Sarah Todd, who I report to directly as the vice chair for a county chair constituency, added, added a long list of things to it. But primarily, I'm a liaison person between the state Democratic Party officers and the Democratic committees. I'm responsible for credentialing, uh, seeing that all the county committees are credentialed. And then on in the presidential years, we have to put on caucuses and elect delegates. And uh, periodically, we I think it's quarterly meetings that, you know, where all the county chairs in the district meet and uh, share and discuss and plan. And that way I can share information. But Sarah Todd has monthly meetings with the congressional district chairs to share information from the top down. And then she also has meetings with the county chairs, which is a good thing. And most most of the information is the same that we share. You know, if there are any disputes, you know, some um, county chairs might get get in a dispute or have a question about something. And if I can mediate anything like that, uh, sometimes the state will have to get involved. But we just have good leadership here in the night. And it was it was really great uh, anyway when I took over. So we just had one county that was not credentialed at the time, and they are now. Mm-hmm. So all of our twenty counties are credentialed and operating. So it's it's a it's a big feather in my cap that that's maintained <laughs> itself under my leadership. But and I'm lucky to have the county chairs that I have working in the night district because it makes it easy. Absolutely. So <laughs> in case anyone in our audience is interested, can you tell us how one goes about getting elected as chair of a district? The DPG, i.e. Sarah Todd, will hold the election for the 9th Congressional District Chair, and those are every four years. I actually filled an unexpired term. I think Josh McCall held the position previously, David Robinson, but Josh McCall held it and and uh, stepped down. He was uh, entering law school and and right. so I ran. And so 2022, there'll be another uh, election for the 9th Congressional District Chair. 
Are you planning running again? I don't know. Uh, I'll just have to wait and see if it feels right. Uh, people may be tired. Sometimes you get stale and new leadership is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if someone is on the horizon and I'm I'm looking for that young, new person that we all can support. We've got a young Democrat group that's starting up, so someone could come from those ranks. Yes, that would be nice. But usually they come from the from the ranks of the, the county chairs. But I wasn't a county chair at the time I assumed this position. So I think that's maybe helped a little bit because if you've got to be a county chair and a you know congressional district chair, I think it's yeah, it's harder because I'm an interim chair right now while we're looking for a new white county chairperson. So it's kind of it's kind of keeps busy if you're doing both of those things. It's a lot. Oh yeah. But the area is growing exponentially. Yeah. And I suspect you'll be able to find someone sooner rather than later hopefully Uh, well it's it's you know it's not so much up to me I mean that here's the thing that and I should have researched this before the podcast I was thinking about it the the individuals that vote for the congressional district Mm -hmm. chair are your state representatives every county elects a state representative to uh, represent their county at state committee meetings now some counties have more state reps than others I think it's by you know population everybody has one some have two or three. They vote for the congressional district chair. But, you know, I'm responsible to the county chairs. But the county chairs, I'm sure, influence the state representatives to the DPG on how to vote. So that's the way that that rolls. Hmm. It's a hierarchy. So it it seems to work well. Considering what a challenging year last year was with COVID and everything else, what do you believe are the most significant accomplishments by the ninth district committees last year? Oh, I think uh, bar none was our contest every race process that we stepped up to the plate. The DPGs had a project they wanted to contest every race in Georgia. And we we had had some, you know, people step up to the plate in past years, but we had 37 Democrats run for office in the ninth congressional district. Fantastic. That is, is, is that an unusual number? That's pretty high. It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, I mean, now back when the Democrats controlled, you know, the governor's mansion and all of that, I'm sure uh, the numbers were more, but that's the Republicans have, I'd say in the last, you know, decade, that would be the top 37 would be the top number. There've been times we didn't have, uh, uh, not even one. Wow. So we've come a long ways. Yeah. Uh, and the ninth district has certainly come a long way uh, yes. since then. So how do you think the Biden, Warnock and Ossoff victories uh, affected us here in the ninth district? Morale wise, mm-hmm. uh, it couldn't have come at a better time. Right. Uh, of course, we we were not able to win one race in the ninth congressional district out of our 37. We increased our percentages of Democrats voting. Mm-hmm. But to be able to be part of turning Georgia blue as far as the president of the United States by a mere 11,000 votes. And it, it so it took every single vote, even in the red counties. And there there's some red districts down in the South Georgia, too. But it took everyone. Just think if if our votes or South Georgia's votes in those red districts had not come as large as it did, if we had not increased our margins, we could have lost the White House, even though 
DeKalb and Fulton and all, what if we did? We had just gotten 10% of the vote out here. I mean, we worked so hard and just to be a part of that, it, I think it has, it has made us see how important we really are in close races, especially statewide races. Right. It's really revitalized people's excitement about getting involved in democratic politics. I think that's a good way to put it, Merle. Yeah, yeah it really yeah. has. And and it, that's only, that can only be a good thing. So all of that said, what do you believe are the biggest obstacles uh, for us across the ninth this year? Trying to repeat what we did. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Well, the, last year, um, that was, you know, that I think that was just um, maybe an unusual year. But this year, we just are in municipal races, which are, you know, mayor, city council, those type races. And, and we'll mm-hmm. have some folk, we'll have some, de- well, and usually they're nonpartisan, but you always know, you know, <clears throat> they lean Democrat or Republican, even though they run nonpartisan. And we've, we've had some people that have expressed some interest across the district in those races. So we're hopeful they but in 2022, I, I'm just wondering if the leadership has the energy and the wherewithal to push forward and do as we did last year, because a lot of the leadership stepped up. They were people that are, were already in leadership positions in the Democratic Party and, you know, are, and on county committees. Sure. And so it really took a lot out of, it took a lot out of out of us. I mean, it was exhausting. And I don't know if some people are still over it or, or have recuperated and gotten back to their what we call normal uh, energy level in life, especially we had to do this through a pandemic. Right. It just seems to me and, and I'm coming from, you know, my own standpoint here, because I was a candidate, you know, just looking at 2022. I just don't know if we can repeat that. So that that's sort of an obstacle there. But the main obstacle is the Republicans are in control here and people that want to run as a Democrat that lean toward our values and policies, not the Republicans, but they really want to hold elective office will run as a Republican because they say that's the only way they can win. Slowly but surely, we're going to change that. I mean, we're we're marching forward with that. I, I understand what you're saying. It, it is exhausting for all of us. Uh, it's exhausting just having survived through the pandemic and the Trump years. We're, I think we're all exhaling, still exhaling. Oh. Yes, Merle, you just don't know. (laughs) I've had people say I got my first good night's sleep. Uh, I think many of us us feel that way. And it's certainly been a relief overall. But we must keep going. We can't stop. It's, it's, It's a never ending battle. That's right. And you would tend to say, oh, well, we crossed this mark and you tend not to push as hard because, you know, then we could we could drop back and we don't want that to happen. So we're going to have to just push on through our tiredness and our and our uh, exhaustion and, and, and just keep pushing. Now, with it being as red um, up here and across most of the ninth district, how do we deal with, I, I guess I would say, angry Republicans? There seem to be so many of them these days and they always seem so angry. How do you how do you negotiate dealing with them as a as a Democrat and as the chair? Or do you deal with them? Well, I have some Republican friends, believe it or not. I do too. And during Trump's reign, we talked a lot more. I remember meeting for, we'd meet for dinner pre, you know, before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
And we'd talk. And of course, they had the White House. They've got the governorship. And so it was like, you know, I'd have to take a little bit of their ribbing and ragging. But do you know, uh, I've found that when I've reached out a couple of times, they've not reached back. Um, And I have thought, Merle, since you brought that up, I have thought several times of asking this close friend that I had that was a Republican that worked in the Trump campaign here in the Ninth District, if he really believes the election was stolen and does he really believe some of these conspiracy theories and just I think if I called him, he would answer the phone, but it's not communicating as often. And the couple of times I've reached out emails about things that they have not responded back. So I, I, I think if they're true Trump followers, they're buying into, you know, the fact that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. In fact, Monday, I went to a BOE meeting, a board of uh, elections meeting in White County, and Senator Steve Gooch uh, came to talk to the board about SB 202 and how it would affect them. And he actually said, you know, it was up to each individual person how they felt about the election and if they thought it was stolen or not. And as somebody said to me, well, it can be each individual person's decision, but they're not, uh, you can have your own thoughts about it, but you can't uh, have your own facts, facts of the fact. And I to say, well, you know, people saw on TV that suitcase they pulled out from under the table in Fulton County. And, you know, of course, we didn't, we raised our hands, but they didn't call on us to say, well, that was explained because Fulton County closed its election site. But then an hour later, they told them to reopen it. So they had to go back and they had put their stuff in this suitcase and put it in to get the next morning. And then they, and that's what they saw on that video. But see, they don't give you a chance to explain that on your side. Right. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, today's GOP is very different than the one that I grew up with. And I've, I've been a lifelong Democrat, certainly, but it, it can be challenging trying to get actual facts out with, with the GOP today. So especially in the state, and we're so red, I guess we're purple now. Are we purple? Uh, now that Ossoff and yeah. Yeah, Warnock yeah. are our senators. And you're so right. We cannot let them control the narrative. No. We have got, and we, you know, we have been really uh, guilty of that in the ninth congressional district for obvious reasons. But now I think we've regained our composure and our narrative, and I think we're we're pushing on through. Uh, we're more letters to the editors. We're not as afraid to stand up to these people. Like we had five of our county committee there Monday and that that was unusual. And they spoke out when the um, Board of Elections person let us ask questions. They, we spoke up. And so there would have been, you know, several years ago that that wouldn't have happened. But we cannot let them control the narrative without us pushing back and pushing back and pushing back and saying that's not, that's not. In fact, We've got to be more like Liz Cheney. I mean, if she can do that, and I'm agree with her on love, but we can do it. And we've got to do yes, it. Yes, we have to do it. I, I, I don't think we have a choice. <laughs> we have to keep doing it until the narrative actually, the official narrative actually matches the facts. Yes. So all, all that said, uh, what are your goals for 2021 and 2022 across the night? Obviously, um, to keep our good, strong leadership at the at the county levels and with some of the leadership um, 
you know, I, I've really got to work harder to be involved with three or four of the county parties that have requested that we come in and, and help them with some planning and so forth. Some of the county committees, you know, they may have six or eight people at their meetings. Others have 40 or 50. And of course, numbers don't mean a whole lot. In White County, we may have 10 at a meeting, but we have almost 300 on an email list. They don't all work with your county committee. So we've got to keep, number one, our county committee strong. That's our vessel for people to run for office. You have to have a county committee that's registered with the you know, the local board of elections or probate judge, whichever one you have, and you have to stay certified and you have to be ready for your people to qualify and run for office, number one. And number two is to recruit and support candidates. That's that's really a big part of our mission. And then three, education, especially educating people on this SB202 and these other voter suppression tactics that uh, we may have to work around in 2022. And that's another whole podcast by somebody who knows a lot more about that than I do. The good, strong county committees, candidates, and, um, you know, staying organized and educate people on uh, our values and voter suppression, I think, coming up for this next year and into 2022. Right, right. So we have our work cut out for us. <laughs> in other words, And we're going to make sure that we all work together. You know, the Democratic Party has always been the big tent party. It's always been a very diverse group and there are people with strong opinions. But um, at the end of the day, we're certainly all on the same page when it comes to our character, our values and our ethics and the platform that we want to pass. And we're so grateful to have you in a position to help us move along with that, uh, June. Very quickly, tell us about the certification process. And this is just my own curiosity. How does that work? Well, uh, once you become chartered and it becoming chartered takes, um, you know, about a year, you know, you have interested Democrats that come together, you start to meet and whoever your congressional district chair is, there's um, credentialing paperwork, you know, it's, um, it's, you have minutes of the meeting and there are, you know, templates that we provide. You have bylaws, there are templates that we provide. There's a treasurer's report and there are activities. And over that year, you meet and you show that you can function as a committee. And then you submit all your documents to Sarah Todd and she approves them and the executive director. And of course, the Democratic Party chair would would pass off on them, but then Sarah would present your credentialing letter. And then every year, you re-credential because you may have had changes in bylaws. You have new committee members and resignations and new officers. So you re-credential with uh, any bylaws that have been changed, uh, you know, any new committee membership list, your your meeting minutes and, you know, your treasurer's report. And those things also have to be registered with your board of election in each county. Now, because we send them to the DPG, they send them out to every county in Georgia, every BO Board of Election in Georgia, just in case, you know, we didn't get one. So they cover those bases, too. So that that's uh, the credentialing process. And we keep up with that because I'm told if 
say you didn't have your paperwork in to your board of election and there was a big election coming up and you didn't have your current paperwork there, the Republicans could get, um, you know, our folks thrown off of the ballot and vice versa. So it's a legal, it's sort of a legal, uh, a legal process that could be challenged in court if, if it's not correct or not done and your candidates could be thrown off of the ballot. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I was channeling my inner secretary Pete with that policy wonk <laughs> question there. So thank you. Thank you for answering that. And, and before we go, June, I've really enjoyed having you on here. We hope you'll join us again. But before we go, tell us a fun fact about yourself, something that most people don't know and that our audience may be interested in learning about you. Oh, about me. Just, well, I don't know. My life has been an open book, but (laughs) I think the most fun thing, you know, besides your children and your family, and you always say that that's first is um, I was a dance teacher. I was a clogger and I'm still incorporated uh, with the, the clogging company. I'm incorporated. I had about 40 dancers all the time as a young mother and I would work four to midnight. I, I would work, um, I worked 11 to seven and I would teach dancing, the little clog dancing. We did our own choreography. My kids all did it. But when they got grown and started to drift away, I kept less and less dancers and I got older and I got involved in other things. Our claim to fame was that we danced on the Disney Channel when they they had this show that went all over the United States featuring different, uh, they did a different show on a college campus all over the United States and they did one at Georgia State University and one of our dancers was there and she got us in and so we were on the Disney Channel. That's extraordinary. I really, I really, that's one thing that I, that I did that I, I look back and I wish I could have a reunion of all and feel, I'll have people reach out on Facebook. Are you the Miss June? And I have children now and I've taught them to clog and, you know, so it's, it's been kind of, it's been kind of, kind of neat in that way. Good to know. Good to know. If we want to learn how to clog, you're the person we need to come. To. <laughs> I can teach you. I can as long as I used to, but I can teach you that basic step and we'll do all those line dances and have us oh, a big time. That's, that's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. Well, June, I, I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you'll join us again uh, as we get closer to the 2022 uh, elections, all politics being local, of course. And on behalf of the Fannin County Democratic Party, we look forward to getting to know you better as we go along. Thank you. Merle Clark, thank you. And thank you, Fan and Ken. The North Georgia Blue podcast is funded by a donation from Jim and Nancy Harlow. Thank you, Jim and Nancy, for your generosity and your belief in our mission. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of the North Georgia Blue Podcast. Please join us again as we get into some good trouble with Noah May, chair of the Gilmer County Democrats and founding member of the North Georgia Young Democrats.